Well, good morning, church. If you would, please open your Bibles and me to the book of Ephesians this morning, Ephesians chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. I am so humbled and grateful and excited about the future that God has for us, excited to kind of begin a five-week series that will pave the way for the next two years in which we're asking the Lord to bring us his, his favor and his blessing as we fulfill the mission that he's given our church. And so we're going to take five weeks and we're going to discuss what it truly looks like to have greater prayer and greater devotion a greater purpose, a greater impact, and a greater legacy, all towards the end of asking God to work greater still among us in ministry and missions and our future. Before God ever wants to do something greater through us, God desires to do something greater in us. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning in regard to greater prayer. Paul is going to give us here in Ephesians chapter 3, the boldest prayer given in the New Testament. He's going to tell us that God and God alone can do abundantly more. We are asking God to bring faith and make it sight in and amongst us. And it's going to remind us of the greatness of God in and through us. It was Christopher Columbus, upon discovering the new world, who said it well when he says, you can never cross the ocean until you have the courage to lose sight of the shore. And it's within these next five weeks, we're going to be paving a way for the foundation for the next two years of our church to ask God who can do abundantly more in and through us. Paul, in this second intercessory prayer, this doxology of praise, is going to inform us that God empowers and mightily works in his people from his fullness in Christ to accomplish his glory. Paul is going to end this prayer with, in a way in which we should all begin, giving glory to God. If we are ever to endeavor something great for God, it must start first with the acknowledgement that it is God who is great among us. Paul is going to take this doxology as the climax of Ephesians. He's been building this three chapters of doctrine. He's going to allow this prayer and praise from the fullness of God in Christ to now propel his people to live for the glory of Christ. And he's going to tell them in verses 20 and 21, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, now to him who is able. That all of life, and thus all that we do, must be for God. You see, it is a basic framework of all false religions to deny the sufficiency of God. Started first in the garden under the temptation of Satan in Genesis 3. Satan only asked three or two questions in this chapter. But the first one, we're still recovering from the ramifications of this truth of did God actually say? Ephesians is written to a church in Ephesus. Ephesus was engrossed in paganism, materialism. They had these perverted practices that were prominent throughout Asia Minor. In fact, the populace of Ephesus had numerous objects to worship, 
Dozens of gods. In fact, archaeologists have found over 50,000 temples in Ephesus alone. They didn't have a problem worshiping a god. Paul gives them the god. God is able. We have a God who is able to make available anything that he desires to work in and through us. We have a God who is able throughout the Bible to bring hope to the hopeless, to bring liberty to those who are enslaved, to bring new life to those who are dead. We have a God who is able to do anything that he desires to do in and through us. And throughout the Bible, and if you want a wonderful study for you in 2022, just study these passages throughout the biblical text that God is able. Perhaps you'll find in Luke chapter 1, verses 34 and 37, when the angel Gabriel comes to Mary and, and tells this teenage girl that she's going to bear a child who will be the son of the most high God. And Mary incredulously tells the angel, how could this be? I've never known a man. And the angel tells to her, with God, all things are possible. He is able to do the impossible. John chapter 6, I'm well aware that we've been handing out these t-shirts all over and I would love for each and every one of you to get these. In fact, you can get one on the way out. But I mean, it was made mention to me after the 830 service that, you know, we are Baptist. And so even though these shirts say greater, when I have my jacket like this, it just says eat as Baptist, right? <laughs> a lot of truth in that. But can I tell you that we have a God who places an emphasis on good food and an even greater Savior? That the most defining miracle in all the Gospels, 35 in totality, is the feeding of the 5,000, where Jesus takes this little boy's lunch and feeds thousands and thousands of people. Why? Because we have a God who is able. In fact, Paul tells the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 9, 8, that we have a God who is able to make all grace sufficient to you so that you may be abound in every good work. That there is not a situation in our lives where God does not sufficiently supply the grace that we need to abound in what it is he's calling us to do. The Bible also says in Jude 24 that God is able to keep us blameless in Christ. For some of you that I've known you now for years, that's that's a great work, right? But the Lord is able to do these things. Can you just remind yourselves of this truth right now? God is able. Can you just say this? God is able. You see, this truth comes from the reality that we must set aside ourselves. If we're going to start any work of God, it must be for the glory for God. That is why A.W. Tozer was right when he says the glory of God always comes at the sacrifice of self. 
It is within this truth that Paul progressively describes God's powerful, unbelievable enablement of his people. That God constantly, God personally, that God intimately and actively works in and through the lives of his people from the fullness of Christ. God is not limited by our resources. God is not limited by our abilities. God is not limited by our perceptions. God is not limited by our limitations. God is able, the Bible says. In fact, I'm going to encourage you with three things throughout the scriptures that remind us that God is able to do in and through you. I mean, be encouraged, O men and women of God, because God is able to create something from nothing. Just because you can't see it doesn't mean he can't perceive it. Just because you can't comprehend what it is the Lord is asking you to do doesn't mean that he's not wanting you to be willing to do in and through him for his glory. You and I are walking miracles. You and I are living testimonies of the power of God that can transform our lives. Transform our lives from loving ourselves and pursuing ourselves to surrendering all of these things to live a life that is pleasing to the Lord. To live a life that is full of the love of the Lord. To live a life that never existed before we met God through Christ. God creates something from nothing. We are new creations. We are everyday proofs that God can do something new. Secondly, we also remind ourselves of this truth that God frees us from what enslaves us. So many of us don't live by faith because we're stuck by sight. So many of us are, are tentative to walk into the future because we've been hurt or crippled in our past. Can I tell you that God has the power to free us from what enslaves us? God can free his people from bondage with a sheep herder from Midian. God can destroy one of the most powerful armies ever created from a shepherd's boy of Jesse and one stone. God can change the world with mere fishermen and can make them fishers of men. Aren't we living proof that we have a God who can do abundantly more? So whatever it is that is entangling you, doubt, worry, insufficiency, a lack of contentment, give it to the one who always frees. What enslaves? Thirdly, we must also remind ourselves that God is able to transform us by his overwhelming grace, faithfulness, and love that God is faithful to demonstrate to us daily how able he is to work in and through us. Not because we deserve it, because he is faithful by his grace. Not because we're faithful, no, because he's always faithful to us as a result of who he is as God. Not because we can fall out because of our performance or lack thereof, no, because of a steadfast love that endures, that never fails, that has no end, just a beginning. There are no limits to his ministry. There are no limits to his impact and glory because God is able. God is faithful 
and is able in any situation. Do we have enough faith to be willing? God can do abundantly more. In fact, Paul says that God can do far more abundantly than what we ask or think. That God is willing to do and able to do far more than what we could ever ask. Amazingly, beyond everything or infinitely more. Paul uses here the highest superlative in the entire New Testament. He speaks here of a considerable excess of what is normally expected. Paul looks back here and reflects upon what he's expounded in verses 16 and 19 about the grace of God and the love of Christ that knows no bounds, no height, no depth, nor width. The fullness of God through Christ. And he tells God's people, our God's just getting started. Whatever it is you can ask or think, he can do exceedingly more. A tremendous power, a super, super abundance is what is spoken here. God's ability to give exceeds our capacity to even think or ask. Nothing then is too hard. Nothing is impossible for our God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than what we can ask or think. It is the fullness of God that fuels the power of God. All for the glory of God. God goes beyond our beyond. In fact, you remember what the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah 40, verse 28? Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord our God is an everlasting God? He does not faint. He never goes weary. For he is the Lord, the God of Israel. That is who we pray to. That is who we ask God, for your glory and from your fullness, work in us for the glory of your name. For now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than what we could ask or think. How? According to the power at work within us. You see this word according to here? It expresses a, a means which is to its fullest extent. That God holds nothing back. That according to who he is as God, there's power at work within us. Now, did you notice the tense of verse 20? This is in present tense. Paul is saying, well, one day he'll do this. Oh, someday, maybe another day. No, right now, God is working in us. And can I tell you, we've always been our best as a church. When we have prioritized from the people of God, the power of God, 
for the glory of God. We started as a dream amongst a handful of people in this part of Oklahoma. Before we were ever formally a state, we were formally gathering as God's people here. Though we were one nation, we were pursuing one God with everything we've got. We began to gather in a railroad car. A handful of people full of hope who knew just enough to know that God could do abundantly more. And it is from this diligent study and pursuit of the love of God that compelled us as a church to begin to expand. We moved about a half a mile north of downtown BA. We built this white steeple church, one of the highest points in all of Tulsa County, so that people can begin to see the glory of the one true God. It was from there that God began to bless the preaching of his word, the faithful obedience and sacrifice of his people. So God, as he began to give us faith one day to walk across the globe, he gave us enough faith to walk across the street. We built the rock church, brick by brick, rock by rock. And our people sacrificially gave by faith as the Lord made their faith sight. And so they worked hard and they trusted the Lord. And after dinner, they would come to downtown BA and they would build this church together. Children from our church would go to a quarry right on the outside of BA and we'd bring those rocks day in and day out and we'd build God's church. And it wasn't soon afterward that God began to give us a heart to have an entire block displaying the glory of God. A block that, that would extend throughout generations, decade upon decade of faithfulness, tens of thousands of people saved, lives never the same, men giving their life to Christ and being called in the ministry, families being called to Christ and launched all around the globe. Generations upon generations ever changed leaving an impact from the imprint of the fullness of God in and through us. And it became apparent through decades and decades of faithfulness that God was doing a new work in and amongst us. And so God began to do something greater still. And he led us to this hill. 150 acres out in the middle of nowhere. What was once gonna be used as an amusement park is now amusingly used to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. And for the last 22 years, we've seen God do abundantly more than what we could ask or think. We've seen thousands of people saved. We've seen hundreds of people called into ministry, into missions, spread out through all Tulsa, the entire world. Who would have ever thought in 1904 that God would have done so much through his people? Can I tell you, this is always how God works. God is always able to do abundantly more. And I can't help but think as we ask God to do greater still in ministry and in missions and with our future, the work that God is going to do for his glory in and through us. The privilege that we have to, to train, even this upcoming year, hundreds of people in how to share their faith. That we have hundreds of people engaging in disciple-making ministries of our church. 
If we begin to align, even within our content, a true next generation vision, to, to begin to partner with families and homes as we take this gospel to the ends of the earth, to celebrate the goodness of God, that in all of these facilities, over $18 million, we've never had to borrow a single dime. They've been paid by God's grace and his power through the faithfulness of his people. But can I tell you that in over 20 years here, yes, these facilities cost $18 million in totality. We have had the privilege of giving, are you ready for this? Over $20 million to missions over the last 20 years here in our church. And by God's grace, our church has seen a ministry in over five continents and 40 separate ministries, both locally and globally. God can do abundantly more. And as we begin to prioritize these facilities to maximize our vision, to make disciples and make disciples and make disciples, may God do abundantly more as we reach BA and beyond for him. God is able to do anything he desires in your life to fulfill his plan for your life. It is because it comes from a power from God himself through Christ. As a Christ follower, the risen Christ is now the operative power in your life. In fact, Paul says in Romans 8 verse 11 that the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead now dwells within us as Christ followers. That God desires his glory in and through us, that he lives inside of us to amplify his word and will to empower us for his glory. It is God who enables our present works and empowers our future actions for him. Thus, the greatest challenge for us in moving forward is not overseeing our circumstances, but rather our faith. And reminding us as God does a greater work through us in ministry and missions and future, that God can do abundantly more. Oh, I pray this truth is yours. I pray that this climax of doxology is yours as you faithfully follow the Lord in greater still. In fact, as we close, I want to give you three ways, three ways to unleash the power of the Holy Spirit in greater prayer. Number one, immerse yourself daily in his word. The power comes from God and you'll find God in his word. You'll find that God will use his word to transform us from we can't to God can. That you'll find in his word that God has the power to create something from nothing. That God takes common people and does uncommon things. That God truly can free his people from what enslaves them because he's done it time and time again. That it is God and God alone who makes the impossible possible. It is God who works wide, mightily in and through his word as you immerse yourself daily in the Bible. Number two, it comes in with an expectation that God is going to work through you today. That this text infuels within us a yearning to ask God to work mightily for his glory. 
an expectation that God is working powerfully in and through us. So whatever he has for us today, it is for us to bring glory to him. There's an expectation that God is at work and he's empowered us to work for him. Finally, then act in obedience. For over 118 years, God has been faithful to work mightily in and through us. Can I tell you, by God's grace, we have not even began to see or think or comprehend what God can do in and through his people at our church. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen, Paul says. The power comes from him Therefore, the glory must go to him. It is God's glory that is the theme of Ephesians. God's glory appears over 275 times in the Bible. It is seen in two primary ways. One, God's intrinsic glory, the sum of the totality of who God is. He is God, not a God, the God. All glory is ascribed to him then, secondly. The glory in which we give him praise and adoration wherever we go and whatever we do. So in light of who he is and what he has done, let me ask you this question. What can I do today that will bring the most glory to God tomorrow? And if so, then what in your life would change? God, do a greater work in us. God, allow us to focus and maximize your glory in ministry, in missions, and in our future. God, give us a focus to focus on you and pursue your glory. Because when we pursue God's glory, we stop pursuing our own. God, help us reach BA and beyond for Christ. God, give us Tulsa and the metro area for Christ. God, bring revival in this country by giving us the state for Christ. May you do a greater work in and through us right now. Amen. You see how Paul ends this prayer? Amen. Surely. Let it be. No doubt about it. He doesn't say now to him who is able to do abundantly more. Sometimes. Or you know what? We'll see. No, he simply says amen. Let it be now and forever. You see, if we're ever going to live a life for God's glory... We must begin our prayers with God's glory. Now to him who is able to do far more than what we could ask or think according to the power at work within us. To the Lord Jesus Christ be glory now and forever. Amen. God can do abundantly more. God, may you do abundantly more in and through us.